Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny and Lee. I'm Benny and he's Lee. You can follow me at KYBallKing. You can follow Lee at Lee Weglars. Or you can follow the show at Benny and Lee One. Lee, how's it going? It's been a wild couple games since we were on last. And uh, hope you're doing well out there in Paducah. Hey, Benny. I'm doing great. Just a little bit of pneumonia going on, and that's left over from the flu I had before Christmas. But I'm on the road to recovery, so I'm in good shape. And you're right, what a week. It was. It's like a ride over at the Holiday World over there north of Evansville. I feel like I'm on the a voyage up and down roller coaster ride. But the Cats ended it on a good note, and that's always a good thing. We got a big show planned out for tonight. We we got the all-time greatest at Kentucky coming on tonight. We're excited about it. Dan Ince will join us here after a while, and uh, you know it's exciting for both of us. He's a legend, and uh, I've seen him around up a lot of times, but I've never actually talked to Dan Ince. So it ought to be pretty cool. Yeah, big-time player at Kentucky, uh, one of Adolph Rupp's players which is always neat to have somebody that had a great NBA career and just doing a lot of good things for Kentucky with the NBA. And let's hope he gets us there. And I like to see what Dan has to say and where we are on getting an NBA team back to Kentucky. And I appreciate all the listeners bearing with my voice tonight. Just wait until you hear me do the woo pig suey here in a little while. I owe a fan, uh, Arkansas fan I made a bet with, and I I said 16 points, even though I think it was off the table because he just went back at me with Kentucky wins. and uh, He's going to put a a picture of Rupperine on his Twitter page, and if if Arkansas had won, I would have done the same with Arkansas. But anyway, I'm going to hold true to what I say, and so we're going to give it a shot here in a little while, even though he's not going to be able to join us tonight, which we hope to have him on. But that ought to be a lot of fun, Benny. Well, I'm I'm not 100% sure I know how to do the Woo Pig Suey correctly. We should have probably had somebody that's done it before, but I guess any attempt would be okay from you. I, I'm, I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> hey, Benny. Benny, listen, that's what YouTube's for, man. I've already done the research. I've already practiced it today, and uh, I think I got it down. It just may not sound, you know, Fayetteville, Arkansas ready, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway, and that, that, should, that should do. I mean, hey, you know, guy under the weather doing it, I mean, that ought to count twice what a normal – Woo pig suey should, you know. Yeah, I, I tell you that I gotta give them credit. I, I mean, Arkansas, and you know, back in in my heyday, I guess when I was young and uh, and I was actually out there, you know, playing a little basketball. From Arkansas, Kentucky games, man, whew, they were good, and that place was rocking like it did back in the nineties. That was one hell of an atmosphere. I mean, I got to give them credit for that. They came out. They gave it everything they had. But that makes me feel so good about our team, how they handled that atmosphere. After what had happened in South Carolina, I thought that was just a hell of a response for them boys. And EJ, he didn't have a great game. And I've been trying to tell everybody, just, just calm you, cool your tips on EJ. He's going to come around. And I really still believe that. But Brooks looked awfully 
awfully nice in that game. So there's hope there in that, at that position, and we need that fifth guy to step up, and we and we needed some bench production and, and Juzang and come in there, and I mean he was gave us good minutes, and that, that was just unexpected and such a blessing. You know, and I don't know it so much the atmosphere. Because in South Carolina, I really we're going to talk about that game here in a little while. And but I think that Kentucky handled that pretty well too. And we're going to get to the root of it all here later in the show, folks. Because we, Benny and I both have talked, and we think a lot of this is on the officiating. But I'll tell you what, South Carolina, what an atmosphere there to go into. And but like Benny said, and we talked this morning and. Man, they, they had it going on in Arkansas. And, you know, I even posted on Twitter this afternoon is I would love to see Rupp Arena like that every single game. I mean, the energy in that place was incredible. And what Coach Musselman is doing there is is nothing short of that either. And, you know, he's got a small lineup. I wouldn't say – I hate to say short on talent, but – I mean, he's going to have some people coming in next year, some really good talent coming in next year. And But what he's doing with this team is amazing. And, and they gave Kentucky all they wanted. And Kentucky handled the hostile environment. I mean, it, it was. It, it was absolutely hostile. And for those kids to go in there and do what they did, I thought it was great. And I actually thought, you know, getting into that South Carolina game for the first time, minutes of that game they played really well. I mean the officials I'm not gonna say it was one sided because it wasn't, but they muck up a game and they make it impossible to watch for one. And they make it impossible to play in. And then guys are trying to figure out well what can I do without getting a foul and the next thing you know, your defense is suffering a little bit and uh, you're giving up fifty six points and you know a lot of them at the foul line still yet. But you know I just look at that game as a as a write off. You know, it happens every now and then. It seems to happen often down there, and I'm not really too worried about it. I think Frank Martin's teams are always physical, bordering dirty, kind of like uh, old Mike Anderson was when he was at Arkansas. Just to be quite honest with you, I didn't. A lot of people like uh, Frank, but I don't like his coaching style. I think he mucks the game up too much, and and I guess it's what he. Has to do because he never really has the talent to do anything with it. He's he's definitely gung-ho and, you know, gets into berating his players a little bit. And, you know, you never see Cal Perry go to that extreme. And you're right, Benny, that, you know, that was a tough environment. I think what a lot of people, especially in Big Blue Nation, missed from that game is what Kentucky did to get – back to even tying the game up late and, you know, quickly did a great job and and another great game by Nick Richards. I mean, you know, this kid's starting to put up solid numbers that that we can count on every night and and, and that's huge. And Hagen's fouling out was was a big, you know, downturn for Kentucky, but but still it gets back to what they did. What the kids did, I thought they showed a lot of poise to even get back to forcing that game in what should have been in overtime. And if you actually watch the game film, the shot, not the shot clock, but the game clock started about a half second late once South Carolina inbounded the ball. 
And if you take that half second, it makes all the difference in that being a good basket and not. So you can look at a lot of intangibles there. And, and once again, it always comes down to we shouldn't have put ourselves in that position anyway to even have the game close or be behind. But still, it, it all does matter. I mean, it's the game. and But I thought Kentucky showed a lot of poise. I thought they did a lot of good things in that game. And, you know, the 56 points does stand out. But like Benny said, there were a lot of those off the free throws. And, you know, the, it seemed a little lopsided there. And uh, But, you know, we, we left a lot of the free throws on the table, too, and did shoot our greatest percentage. And our rebounding was terrible. But we rectified yeah, I, that in the Arkansas game. That was horrible, and, and and you know it goes that goes down to just to me it's always I've been watching Nate and I've been watching EJ and and EJ had five rebounds in the first half of that of that South Carolina game and he had zero and I think he's had one or two since <laughs> which which I, I'm here I'm fighting for EJ and I, and if you follow me on social media you know I'm fighting for EJ I love EJ I think he's going to get there. I think sooner rather than later. I know it doesn't show in the stats, but I can see it in his effort. But what he's got to do is he's just got to become an attacker and just attack that game and go after it. But, you know, and there's a lot of things. And I think Kenny Payne is about to, is about to get him there. I really do. I think Kenny is working with him daily. And it's all mental. There's no physical abilities lacking there. It's all mental at this point. And it's just like Nick was before. And I think yep. there. I really do. I, I'm seeing signs of his effort is just better than it used to be. But maybe I could be wrong. If that's the case, then Keon's next. The Keon's looked looked pretty good in that Arkansas game. Yeah, I think what Kenny Payne's doing with these guys is, is amazing. And, you know, what he's done with Nick, and you're right. I mean, you said a lot of good things there. Benny and I agree with every one of them. And I think EJ's going to figure it out, too. I just think it's finding his role. And, and and sometimes that's not easy because you're used to a different role in, in different situations and, and with teams you played coming up. And, you know, it's just a little bit different at Kentucky, a lot different actually. But what I see with Nick, what they've done with Nick, they've got him. And he's not thinking anymore. He's reacting. And if you watch Nick in these games, and I pay a lot of attention to this because to me I think and, and feel that, our inside game is going to be what gets us there because I feel like we have the best three-guard trio in, in the nation. So I don't worry about our guards. Where I, where I worry is on the inside game, and that seems to bear, be where we suffer the most. And what I like seeing Nick being consistent, then we've got to find that fifth guy. And I think we're going to find him real soon. And, and, and help off the bench. I, I think Nate Sestina, you know, he's going to spell minutes. Juzang Brooks, EJ. I mean, I see so much there. And I think the the window opportunity, the ceiling's high, guys. We, we can go a long way with these guys. And, and there's so much left there for them to improve on. And we've still got a lot of season left. We've just scratched the surface in the SEC. So I, I feel real hopeful about it. But but back to what Kenny's doing with these guys, Nick's foot speed and his quickness, if you watch him in the games, it's just amazing. He He's quick. He's moving his feet, and he didn't do that last few years. And he's doing things now, and, you know, he, he's, he's, he's reacting now 
quicker than he was before because he's not having to think. It's just a normal, natural reaction, and they've given him a lot of reps, and you can tell that they've worked on him, and I think that's coming for EJ, and I think Keon's just a freshman. Keon's going to figure it out. He's already starting to figure it out. And, yeah, You know, we I talked agree. last week about, about the game speed, and the game's starting to slow down for him. Johnny Juzang just needs minutes. And, you know, I've talked to Johnny's father, Maxie, and it's just getting Johnny in the game and, and getting him some minutes. And, you know, I don't know what illness it was. Thank goodness it wasn't as long-term as they made out at first. But but Johnny looked great. And I, I've been a big fan of his since he came to Kentucky just because of his size at the guard position. And his outside shot, I mean, it looks good. And, and we can even talk about Quickly's game yesterday. He didn't shoot the three as well yesterday as normal, but I'll tell you what, they were dead on where he was missing. I mean, they were just – you're talking about fraction of inches, and uh, he was he was dead on. Quickly, don't worry about it. He, he's got his game, and he played a hell of a game yesterday. You said a mouth right there. I'm going to tell you something. You take Nick and how good he's playing. This is what I don't understand about this whole year. It's it's driving me insane. Nick is playing off the charts. I mean, none of us, we all thought he would get it and be better, but none of us thought that he would be where he's at now. No, like he's I, I think one. we were skeptical. I just think we yeah. were skeptical, Mike. You know, we were just skeptical. And then you take quickly. I mean, last year you watched quickly. You probably didn't think. Honestly, he would be one of the best scorers in the country this year. <laughs> I mean, because that wasn't what he done for us. He just gave us good bench minutes. But now he's he's a knockdown shooter, and he's shooting that thing off the dribble as well. And you got oh, yeah. Hagens, who's probably probably the best point guard. He's he's in the running for the best point guard in America. He he definitely is. I've watched a lot of guards, and I hadn't seen too many I'd take over Ashton. Why are we so negative on this team? Why is everybody ready to fire Cal after every loss? I don't get it. Why I've never seen such negativity on a team that's pretty damn good. I don't either. I, I, I enjoy watching this team. And, you know, just to go back to something Terry Brown said last week on the show, and, you know, I think that the only thing that's hurting Hagens right now is just the minutes that he's spending on the floor. This guy is absolutely gassed, folks. I mean, he he quickly and Maxie, and they are just they're eating up minutes. And these guys, Calipari knows they have to be on the floor. And but these guys, if you're not behind these kids, I think you're crazy. I just soon you go over to Loserville and root for those guys. Honestly, you know, I, I'm I've about had it with this. Big Blue Nation that's calling these kids out because, first of all, they're kids. And, now, you, you know, know, somebody's doing that to your kids, and, you know, shame on you. But these kids, to me, what I'm seeing, they're learning the game and they're figuring it out and they're giving it everything they got. You know, one thing that happened to me over the weekend, and sometimes I get a little too fired up over Twitter because I know there's some people on there that probably haven't a clue. But they'll say something, and it drives me insane. And, and somebody actually tweeted at me that that Calipari was an idiot for drawing up a play for quickly to have a step-back jumper. Now, mind you, I know that's not the play they drawed up, but but they scored. 
They tied the freaking game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. What else do you? I mean, what do you want him to do? And the dude banked yeah, in a three. That's a buzzer. He banked it in from straight away. Wouldn't be good from any other angle. <laughs> you know, it just <laughs> right. happens. Sometimes it happens. Well, yeah, it's, just, it's no different than that kid from South Carolina just throwing up that last second shot. I mean, sometimes you get lucky on you know, what they say. Every squirrel finds a nut. But quickly's got quickly's got the game, and, and I feel absolutely confident with that play being drawn up to him, and whether it was or not. And but you know, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I've made some people angry tonight. But I'm telling it like it is, folks. I mean, Big Blue Nation, it's a family, and we've got to be behind these kids and support these kids. And it's real easy to support them when they're winning and when they're doing well, but when they need it most is when they're not. So that's what well, Big Blue Nation is. And it's a family to me, you're going to rally behind these kids and support them just like Benny and I do. Well, you know, I've heard from several different people, and I know these people are probably the not the norm. But, I, but they seem to come out of the woodworks every time something bad happens. And I've heard from several different They want Brad Stevens. They want Billy Donovan. Well, I want to tell you something. Billy Donovan's turned us down twice. And Brad Stevens ain't coming here. And Brad Stevens ain't won a championship on any level. I don't care what you say. Billy Donovan has said no twice. Are they going to try to get him again? I don't know. I'm not saying I wouldn't throw it out there. If something happened, the job come open, I wouldn't call Billy Donovan and take a feeler, see how he felt. But there's some reason he don't want to be here. So it's kind of like when you talk about players. If they don't want to be here, the hell with them. You know? Right. Tell him, Perry, this is his right. dream job. And it shows. He's done a damn good job. You people can, And I don't care if I piss the whole world off tonight. I really don't. You can say what you want to say. If you think anybody can win better than 80 well, you bring him here. You bring him right on because it ain't yeah. happening. Exactly. Exactly, Benny. Preach to the choir, buddy, because you're right. And, you know, and, hey, we're going to give a shout-out to Roger, too. We know he's under the weather tonight, Roger Harden. If you're listening, Sir. Benny was sharing it. You're suffering with the flu, so we hope you feel better, too. I, I know exactly what you're going through, and it's not fun. And Roger, I know Roger's he's on the fan side. He always is. And he'd probably tell me to shut up right now. It's a big boys league. <laughs> but, but that's that's beside the point. I just don't think I think the man takes unfair criticism because times have changed. And times have just changed and that's how it is. And times will change again. But the man is a winner and he's always been a winner. Well, I don't know if I lost or... No, there I mean, you are. it's easy if you're on a winning team, you know, Benny. <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know, from the coaching side of it, and, you know, that's why there's always usually at least a 24-hour cool-off period, and that's mostly with parents and, and the coach. And it's always hunky-dory when you're winning, but when you're losing or struggling, and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't feel like Kentucky has ever honestly struggled under Calipari, except the one year when we went to the NIT and, you know, a Nerland's Noel injury and just some of the recruits didn't work out as planned. And, but one year out of all these, are you kidding me? There's no way that, you know, I'm going to look at that and, and think that he's been a failure at Kentucky or even 
that I would want to replace Cal Perry. I think what he's done at Kentucky is nothing short of amazing, and you can compare him to Duke. I mean, there's no comparison. Well, I mean, honestly, we say this and we talk this, and I'm not trying to be mean towards people, but there is no comparison. Not because he has the most wins since he's been to Kentucky. He has the most tournament wins. He's been to the Final Four more than any other coach. You cannot even beg for more than that. I mean, you can want it, and you can secretly think we should win it every year, but it's not realistic. It's not going to happen. And it's not even really realistic to say we got a shot every year, but we do have a shot every year, and that's a fact, except for one, we've had a chance to win it every year. Sometimes we've had better chances than others, and sometimes we've not won it when we probably should have. I get that. And that's the problem right there, the 38-1 team. People hold that against him. But in everything you look at, there's there's other bounces that could have went his way that would have changed history. One, call the shot clock violation. History's changed. You know what I'm saying? Two, when he was at Memphis, make a couple of free throws. They'd have beat Kansas. And that's just how it is. That's true. And, you know, it, it's – It'd be nice if they grew them on trees. And, and all of us, I think, get caught up with, you know, what could have happened, what should have happened. And, you know, to me, hey, I think a lot Let's of check him out. All right, let's talk to Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, how are you? Great. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny and Lee. Glad I could be with you. Hey, it's an honor to have you on the show, Dan. Thank you. We appreciate your time very much. And uh, we know you've got a lot going on, and and we do appreciate you taking a little bit of your time on a Sunday night. And and you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. I'm fighting through pneumonia, so my voice is a little bit warning it no it's not from yelling at the tv yesterday normally it would be but uh not not this time uh dan i know you're doing a lot of things for kentucky right now and trying to bring the nba back to kentucky and i thought we'd start off with that before we got into asking you a few questions i know that it's on a lot of people's mind but uh can you tell us how that's going on getting the nba to kentucky and what what all you've been doing lately Yeah, about two years ago, uh, a group here in Louisville, uh, thinking that uh, expansion was inevitable, uh, put together a group, raised some money, and uh, and started an effort to to get to Louisville. Our our effort is called NBA 2 Lou, uh, NBA the number 2 Lou, uh, and uh, you can go to our website and, and learn all, uh, more about it. Uh, but basically, we've been charged with uh, making sure that if and when the NBA decides to expand, um, you know, we'll, we'll be ready to make a compelling argument. There's nothing we can do to make the NBA go any faster. We'll have to wait on their timetable, but... Uh, we're making a lot of progress as far as uh, grassroots uh, support for the effort. And uh, I think when, when our time comes, 
uh, we'll be able to make a great argument that the NBA needs to be in the Commonwealth. Dan, what do you see the biggest roadblocks being, if there are any, in, and what are some of the positives that you see? Well, the, the, the positives, number one, of course, is that uh, basketball is uh, in the DNA of, uh, of most Kentuckians. Uh, another positive is that uh, Louisville is, is a very well-kept secret, and, and Kentucky uh, needs to have a major league sports franchise to, to go to the next level. Uh, you know, some, some, of the, uh, some of the hurdles – uh, will be convincing uh, the NBA that uh, Kentucky can support an NBA franchise. But, uh, you know, the NBA has been very successful in markets where they're the only professional league in town. You look at uh, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Utah, um, all very successful franchises. So, again, I think we can make a pretty good argument that the uh, the NBA would be successful in Kentucky. I think, Benny, you got anything for Dan? Oh, no, I was just sitting back letting you handle this one. You, you got him on here, and I was going to let you handle it. But I'm I'm just geeking out on Danny, so, you know, that's that's what I do on these guys. <laughs> yeah. And, Dan, we, we both follow you on Twitter and, and just amazed with some of the things that you have going on out there in, in the promotions, and we're trying to help you there. And it, it, I really believe if you keep it up, you're going to, Challenge Rex Chapman for having the edge. So just just keep doing what you're doing because I think you're do, you're getting there. Well, I I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's funny you should mention Rex Chapman. I've known Rex since he was about seven years old. Uh, the first year I played in Kentucky uh, professionally with the Colonels, uh, Rex's father Wayne was uh, was one of my teammates. So I've I've known Rex a long long time. Wow, that's neat. So, Dan, just to ask you, and I know you ask a lot of the familiar questions, and hopefully we're going to go a little different, come at you a little different angle, but in this one I'm sure you've been asked a million times, but can you tell us what it was about Kentucky that lured you there to play? Yeah, it's it, it's kind of a funny story how it wound up in Kentucky. Uh, I, I, I took my recruiting trip here, and there was an article in the Kentucky school paper, the Kentucky Colonel, talking about recruiting. And uh, they talked about 12 or 15 different guys UK was interested in, uh, and my name wasn't on the list. And so uh, I went back uh, home, uh, went to high school in northern Illinois, uh, and actually signed a Big Ten letter of intent to go to the University of Wisconsin. Uh, but a couple of those centers that Kentucky was recruiting, primarily George Janke, who was from Chicago, he was Kentucky's number one choice that year. He wound up going to Dayton. Dayton had a very successful uh, program, uh, much like they do today. Uh, and uh, I can remember my father saying, listen, if you're serious about this basketball uh, Kentucky uh, has had more at that time more All-Americans and and more professional players than uh, any other school. So uh, he and I took a second trip to Lexington and uh, wound up uh, signing with Kentucky. And of course, that was the greatest decision I ever made. Yeah, for us too, Dan. Trust me. 
what you did there is nothing short of amazing. And and that really goes along with two things to me that you did so many amazing things, but two of the most amazing things that just really stick out to me are one is that you averaged almost 30 point, 34 points a game in the NCAA tournament your senior year. And the other, when you retired from the NBA, you were behind in points only to Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Julius Serving. So just let that stick in your, your brain for a minute, <laughs> folks. And those are some names that everybody knows. And, and all heroes, I mean, and it's uh, – it's just amazing. But uh, so tell us a little bit about growing up in Batavia, Illinois, Dan. You had some pretty famous friends in your neighborhood. And so that had to be a lot of fun growing up. And what did you guys do back then? I mean, did you did you play pickup football games or uh, basketball games? Or what did you guys do back then? Yeah, it, uh, it, it was a small community then, only about 7,500. There were uh, – uh, about 400 kids in the four-year high school. And the neat thing about Batavia growing up was that the entire social calendar was based uh, around uh, the high school sports. Our gymnasium held uh, 2,400 people, uh, and and in a town of 7,500, uh, you could barely get in on, on game night. And you mentioned some of the people that were there. I uh, Kenny Anderson, who was 15-year yeah. quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, he he and I, our, our backyards butted up against each other growing up. Uh, we had a couple of guys that played professional baseball from that from mm-hmm. that year. Uh, we had a girl that was on the LPGA tournament, and uh, Craig Sager, who uh, uh, wound up being you know a great announcer with TNT and. Uh, very, very closely yeah. associated with the NBA was also from Batavia. So, for a little tiny yeah. town like that, we uh, we, we produce quite a few athletes. Yeah, I remember him well. And then Kenny Anderson, I still see him throwing that touchdown pass to Isaac Curtis, and, and I'll never forget it. And that's back when we had three channels to watch, and we got to see a lot of Cincinnati Bengals games and. So that brings back a lot of really good memories and and memories of the Kentucky Colonels too when you were playing, Dan. It was just amazing times. And and I tell you what, I look forward to it. I know a lot of people do. Uh, you played for some outstanding coaches too. I know uh, you have a lot of lot of regard for Don Vandersnick that you played with at Batavia, and of course I know you do for Adolph Rupp at Kentucky. Can you tell us a little bit about their coaching styles? Were there any similarities in, in, in what they taught you and in, in where you took it to uh, going forward into the NBA and ABA? Yeah, yeah. The, I was very blessed that I played for a number of great coaches. Uh, uh, several of them are in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I uh, Don Vandersnick was my high school coach, and he was one, along with my parents, that uh, really taught me a work ethic. And uh, and he just saw something in me and, and helped me develop that. Uh, and then coming to Kentucky, playing for the legendary Adolph Rupp, uh, a lot of very, uh, very special memories there. Of course, Coach uh, Vandersnick and Coach Rupp were very uh, similar uh, in that they were uh, strict disciplinarians, uh, 
no foolish foolishness and uh, and and uh, you, you learn that uh, if you worked hard you can accomplish just about anything uh, then when I got to the pros of course uh, in Louisville playing for the Colonels and winning the ABA championship I played for Hubie Brown who is in the Basketball Hall of Fame and later in my career in Denver played for Larry Brown uh, who is in the Hall of Fame and and Doug Moe and so uh, you're right. All all along the line, I was I was really fortunate to play for some outstanding coaches. Yeah, and for any future basketball players out there listening, and hopefully we'll listen if if they miss tonight. Dan, can you tell them one thing? And I know you mentioned hard work, and I agree with you on that, and uh, just discipline. But uh, tell us one thing that helped you become the player you were, and, and hopefully they can learn a little bit from that. Yeah, I, I think uh, aside, of course, the work ethic and uh, putting in the time and the practice is uh, is the most important thing. Uh, I, I would say secondarily, and, and I think we've gotten away from this a little bit in today's game uh, because the players are so talented. I mean, their, their athletic ability is just off the chart. Uh, and because of that, maybe they took uh, some shortcuts uh, growing up and learn the fundamentals, uh, learn how to learn how to pass the ball, learn how to dribble the ball, learn how to rebound, uh, learn how to shoot uh, between the three-point line and dunking it. And uh, I, I think if, if if you learn the fundamentals of the game, really learn how to play the game of basketball, uh, I, I think that'll stand you in very good stead going forward. Yeah. And thank you, Dan. That's a great answer and great response. Did uh, So, talking about the Kentucky Wildcats this year, what's your take on Kentucky, and where do you think they're going to end up this year? Yeah, well, I said before the, the season ever began, uh, our success would be predicated on how well the big guys played. And uh, I, I think that you're seeing that our backcourt is exceptional. Uh, we're going to get good games out of the backcourt every game. Uh, but the way Nick Richards has stepped up this year uh, with his scoring and his rebounding, uh, his defensive play, uh, Montgomery seems to be coming on uh, somewhat. And we're going to go as far as those big guys can take us. And, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to March. I think there might be 25, 30 teams out there right now that could win uh, the the, uh, the NCAA championship. You look at this at this past week, uh, and uh, number two, number three, both lose on several occasions. And you know these these top teams aren't getting beat by one or two or three points. They're getting beat by double digits, and so this thing is just wide open. And if we can continue to to get the games out of our big people that we have, uh, I think Kentucky's there with everybody. And Dan, let me, I agree. let me jump in here real quick and ask you a question about EJ Montgomery. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Lee, but I just was curious no, about. What do, you, what do you think it's going to take for E.J. Montgomery to take that next step? Because like you just alluded to, I thought he was really coming on as of late. He had a pretty bad game against Arkansas, but I thought his first half at Carolina was really, really a good half of basketball. And since then, he's kind of stepped back. I think it's mostly 
confidence. What are you thinking? Yeah, you're, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, uh, uh, and and I think that's what happened to Nick. Uh, you know, he uh, uh, until this year he didn't get much done, but uh, then he he started out and he was quite frankly playing against mediocre competition and having some success. And he's really been able to build on that. And I think the same thing has to happen uh, with EJ. He has to get uh, he has to get confidence and and build on whatever successes he has. Uh, and uh, if we can get if if we can get good performances out of those two guys, I think we're going to go a long way. Dan, we do appreciate your time so much, and it, it's been an honor to have you on here. And I can't tell you how many times I impersonated the horse on the basketball court, and and <laughs> even at my size, and I was a guard, but you made an impression on me. And I tell you what, when it comes to tough guys, I don't think there was a anybody tougher than you in the ABA or NBA. And can you tell us a little bit more, just uh, how the people of Kentucky can help bring the NBA back to Louisville and back to Kentucky. Well, I, I appreciate you bringing that back up again, Lee. And uh, uh, one thing that would really help, uh, and, and this is, you're going to have to wait a month or two, maybe in a couple of uh, months I could come back on, but we've started an ambassador club. And if you go to that website that I told you about, NBA to Lou, and click on Ambassador, you, you can see there's a lifetime membership with a lot of benefits and an annual membership. But very shortly, we're going to add to that. Uh, the, the lifetime membership is, uh, I think, 300. The annual membership is 125. But we're going to add to that. Uh, shortly, a a twenty five hundred dollar excuse me twenty five dollar a twenty five dollar okay. membership and a free membership and and what we're trying to do is to get as many email addresses as we can so that uh, so that when the uh, the opportunity arises we can show the NBA what kind of support we have here so uh, in a couple of months uh, you'll be able to go to the website. And get those uh, those cheaper uh, ambassador club memberships, and uh, and I'll let okay. you know when those are available on the website. And maybe you can pass that along. Please do. And so now the twenty five hundred dollar. Now that's an evening with Dan Essel and a steak <laughs> dinner on you, and no, uh, right? No, that's 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 slipped that slipped out. You can get that for the cheaper ones. We don't have a twenty five hundred dollar one. <laughs> okay. Dan, it's been a pleasure having you on. I know it's a, it's a great moment for us, and it's great to hear from you and talk to you and uh, on a personal level. And and you're welcome anytime. And we're going to do all we can to help support you and what you're doing. Okay. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Have a great evening and. Uh, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. Later Thank on. Good night. How about that, Lee? <laughs> well, I have goosebumps. I'm not going to lie to you, and it's not from running a low-grade fever in this pneumonia either. So, you know, what does it tell you? I mean, you know, just 
just one of my all-time heroes as a as a child growing up. And you know, I'm Roger Harden's age, so uh, Dan Issel meant a lot to me. And his name, I mean, it's just etched etched in Kentucky history. You're talking about the all-time leading score for the Kentucky Wildcats, and I don't think that record's ever going to be broken. And you have to remember, he only did that in three years because freshmen weren't eligible to play when he came to Kentucky. So it's really amazing. And just, you know, I, I knew he was probably going to say work ethic because, you know, you could watch that guy play. And, man, he never stopped working in a game. And you could see him working for position. I mean, just battling. And if people want to teach their kids how to play basketball and what it takes, you watch some old Dan Issel footage or Rudy Tomjanovich footage, and you're going to see some guys just going at it. And that's that's well, what it takes. Bro. I mean, honestly, you know that's what, what it takes. As a low-level yeah. coach and player that I've always been, and I've always been involved in the game somehow, as a low-level, it's just facts. If you have the physical ability to play basketball, which some people don't, don't get me wrong, but if you do have the physical ability – and you can do the skills, and you're big enough, I'm telling you, whoever works the hardest goes the farthest. That's just how it, that's the truth. And anything you yeah. do, though, that's it, anything, any walk of life, whoever works the hardest usually goes the farthest. It is, and you know what Dan said, too, a lot of kids with the talent now today and resting on their laurels, and you know that is easy to do, and I think I think some of the problem today is that there are so many distractions in, in just how, you know, you think about how time has changed just since I was a child and to even when you were a child, Benny, and, and now, I mean, it, it's just so many things have changed. And, you know, I think, you know, technology has a lot to do with that and, you know, cell phones and, Kids are just, you know, locked into things like that more now where, you know, we we were, you know, as soon as we got home from school, we were out playing ball. And, you know, I had an old dirt court in a, in a uh, basketball goal on the side of the, the garage. And that's where we shot at. And the high school, Heath High School, was just catty corner from my house. And we had a regulation go out there and, and, and court on the, on the asphalt on the parking lot. So, you know, we and we had access to the gym. I told you guys about that on earlier show, but so yeah, we broke into the gym and played and you know, but they knew about it. So but we found a way to play and that's what we did. We were never indoors, we weren't on cell phones, we weren't on computers and I, I think that makes a difference too. And you think about these kids with that kind of talent and if they locked in and worked hard and that's, I think these are the late kids we're seeing now. I really do. Well, there's a huge difference in, you know, when we played in today's game. But I'll give these kids that, that come under Cal credit for a lot of things that they deserve credit for. The selflessness that they play with. I mean, they don't come in that way, but by the time they leave, the way that they play for each other, it's unbelievable because – you're talking about 17 or well, 18 to 20, 22 year olds. And by the time they leave there, and usually a lot of them is just one year, they're playing for each other. 
and they're playing unselfish. And I mean, if we all that played at the at the small at the high school level and you know things like that, we we have to admit that we were always thinking. And I guarantee you that when they come in, they're thinking the same thing. And I don't know how you felt, Lee, but I can remember thinking when I was playing ball, I'd be keeping my score in my head. I got 28, you know. <laughs> well, I did too. And, you know, I knew, usually knew my, you know, what I was doing on a team, but I was never what I would say, you know, into the game just for myself. I, I was, I was out for the team. But I always had in my mind how I was doing, and I think, you know, if I was having off-shooting night, then I was looking to find other ways to win, and I think that's what, you know, John Calipari looks for these kids to do too. And not that I didn't trust my shot. I I had it and and was able to drive a lot of times too. But, you know, there were just games where you just didn't have it, and so I looked to create other ways, and, you know, I ran the point a lot of times, and so I was looking to dish and find teammates. So, it, you know, it, it's all about looking out for your team and, and finding a way to win. And, you know, when you when you start going at it that way, you're going to be successful and to win as a team because you can't do it by yourself. Century. I mean, it's – but like I say, it's just – some of these, some of these kids, they come in here and and they're expecting to be, to be great right off the bat, and it doesn't always happen. But by the time they leave here, it just seems that they, they benefit greatly from playing under Coach. Cole, it seems to me, and I, I've spent the day, you know, today, I, even today, people were telling me, uh, texting me and telling me that Calipari should go. Kenny Payne's a better coach than Cal Perry. And, and while Kenny done a great job, don't get me wrong, in his time, I don't know that I would say that he's a better coach than John Cal Perry. But, but I did tell somebody if Cal Perry decided to leave that I would be fine with uh, Kenny taking over, which I know they'll never do that, but it wouldn't bother me a bit if they give Kenny a shot. No, I think Kenny's more than capable. and But still, I go back to who are these crazy people you're talking to, Benny, on Twitter? I mean, come on, folks. I mean, you know, and we're getting to that. I mean, might as well tie into that now because, you know, the, the Calipari ejection, I mean, it's nothing short of a staged WWE event. I mean, it, it was so fake, I thought, you know, um, McMahon was out there running the show and and we were getting ready to see the Generation X because it it was that crazy and that theatrical, but Calipari is obviously agitated, but he knew what he was doing and he was trying to purposely get tossed and nothing short of a Normandale, and he did it, and Kenny Payne got to step in there, and, and I don't know, maybe... Cal Perry just didn't be the one that, you know, that wanted to put zone in. You know, <laughs> you know that's funny that you I, say you that. Know, I don't want to play zone defense. I'm going to let Kenny Payne do it, you know. <laughs> I, I funny you say that because I was thinking that while they was playing that zone. You reckon he got thrown out just because he knew Kenny Payne would go to the zone? 
He didn't want to. <laughs> you know, it's comical, but you know, I wouldn't put. It, I'll tell you what, and and that's what I love about Cal Perry is that he he's you know people can say what they want. I, I still think he's got a lot of renegade in him, and, and this guy, man, I'll tell you what. He, People that don't get it and don't understand it, they're missing so much. And, you know, to me, we have the best coach in the nation. I don't think there's anybody better than Cal. And, you know, what he did yesterday was great. And I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, you know, you know I don't like the zone. Kenny, you know I don't like the zone. So, you guys, when I, when, I'm going to get thrown out. You guys – you do what you want to do. You 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 do what you want to do. I'm, I'm gone. So you know I could see that conversation. And what what's funny is I see uh, John's daughter and I see Brad Calipari popping in on Twitter, and they all had a lot of fun with it. And you know they believe it was on purpose too, because I think it was Brad that said it might have been it might have been no I don't know I think it was Brad. That said, he's sending fuss more about not getting a cup of coffee or or Dunkin' Donuts close by that he could get a <laughs> cup of coffee. So, you know, take it for what it is. But I, I think it was on purpose, and I thought it was well played, and, and it worked out just fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can see his frustration, and I think it carried over, like we were talking earlier with the officiating. It's been horrible all year. I mean, I think, you know, maybe I'm wrong. But I think officiating this year is the worst I've ever seen is in the SEC. It's awful. It's absolutely laughable. I don't know what they're going to do about it. And I'm not talking about that we've had a bad whistle against us. I'm just talking about the whistle in general is pathetic. It's like they spent how many hours at the monitor to find out? The one that got me was the one they called a technical on Emmanuel quickly. It was a basketball play, clearly. He, I don't even think he meant to hit the guy. He was just swinging, trying to keep him from getting the ball, <laughs> ripping through, you yeah. know, what they teach you to do in third grade. And I right. just, I'm just like, really, that's a technical. Wow. All the stuff that yeah. wasn't, and this is a technical. Well, it's kind of like, you know, even in the South Carolina game when Maxie held on to the rim and maybe he held on for a second or two too long, but he was trying to make sure he was coming down. He had a man under him. And I, I just think that the referee, and I agree, Benny, you know, we just want it called evenly or, or not called at all because I think they're blowing the whistle too much. Uh, they definitely don't have the flops figured out because Arkansas got away with flop city. And I don't understand that either. And, and even going to the, the monitors, they still didn't get it right. So, I don't know. Hey, I'll tell you one more. And I, I, you know, I just so you don't think I'm being a homer about this. The one that they didn't call on Ashton Hakins, he flopped. He yeah, sure did. Right. Anybody out there? I mean, Benny and I are doing this right. And I think you're right, Benny. I mean, we want it both ways, and, and really less whistles because it just interrupts the flow of the game. And the one, the one that they didn't call. <laughs> where Ashton was defending and the guy looked like he got shot from the stands. I think uh yeah. I think Matt Jones retweeted that. Well that was hilarious. I just he said, I hope this guy's all right. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Yeah, that was out near the perimeter. Yeah, and it was just the craziest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I don't know, uh, you know, like I say, I don't know what the deal is because officiating, I promise you, I've been watching this my whole life. It didn't used to be this bad, but I think it's come along. And you know what? (laughs) That just reminds me. (laughs) Coach whining about the officiating the other night about freedom of movement. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Louisville, Louisville shot like 15 free throws and shot 21. I thought it was hilarious. Is anybody going to call that out? Because they'll call Cal out if something like that happens. <laughs> yeah, right. That's hilarious. I mean, Louisville is, is – I've almost said it before, and if we would have had a show, I probably would have said it. I like Louisville's defense better than I do Duke's offense, and I think – I think Duke's overrated. I really did believe that this year. I mean, I hate them. Don't get me wrong. I have to hate them because the first time I've ever rooted for Louisville in my life was the other day when I was watching that because I kind of clicked it on. I thought, I can't root for them. SOB. I'm rooting for Louisville. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm like that too, Benny. I I have a dislike for Duke more than Louisville. Louisville's right there, though. But if I'm going to if I'm going to root against somebody, I, I'm going to guess I'm going to take the in-state team, and you know, and I, and I would hope we will do the same. I don't know. I mean, there's crazies in every fan base, but it, it was a good game, and you know, that's going to be that's good for us. That's good for Kentucky because that'll help the resume going into the NCAA tournament with the win over Louisville. And then Louisville beating Duke, so especially as highly regarded as Duke is to the media. Yeah, and if you'd like to call in tonight, it's five one six five three one nine four seven four. Give us a call; we'll take your calls. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and you know, yeah. you were you were going with that, and I just about just you know, kind of got myself stuttering here. But the Calipari thing, I think he's doing a marvelous job and blending this team together and I think he's bringing it around you know right to right speed to where he's kind of masterful with it like the peak will be in March and he's got a few buttons left to put and then he'll make his final tweak as he usually does between the last season, last game of the season and the SEC tournament and you'll see a team in the SEC tournament and everybody will turn and look at each other like holy shit this is what we've been waiting on it Every year, yeah, it, it does, and you know, I, I get so caught up in it too. And guys, I'm still geeking over Dan Issel being on the show, so you just got to bear with me. But uh, I've got a big hog call coming up, and I'm glad you said something about calling in, Benny, because I forgot all about it. We've got a little over 30 minutes left on the show, so. If you're going to call, give us a call. I just saw something from Nick on Twitter. So, Nick, if you're going to call tonight, be good because uh, uh, our Arkansas fan, he's not going to be able to tonight. And I was hoping he would. But, anyway, uh, great guy. is a fun bet. And, uh, but, you know, needless to say, if you guys want to go look, and uh, his name is Derek Miser. It's at D. 
M I S E R three two at D Miser three two, and he's an Arkansas fan, but his profile picture is a picture of Rupp Arena, so you can go look at that, and it's pretty fun. Uh, good, good guy, a lot of basketball knowledge, and I was really hoping we'd have him on there. And he he wants the same thing as most of us do. He wants to see the Kentucky Arkansas rivalry back to the days of you know, the 40 minutes of hell and and uh, Nolan Richardson there. And, you know, I, th- I think we're getting there. I-, I think it's it's starting to build up some steam again over the last few years, and I think that started in uh, 2013 when the fan confronted Aaron Harrison and uh, what a hostile vi- environment that was and definitely was yesterday. And, uh, and it, anybody remember – two years before that was when Malik Monk went back home to Arkansas and man, what a, what a scene that was. I had a friend once that was from Arkansas and I hadn't seen him for years, but he was a big Arkansas fan and we used to give each other hell. And, uh, actually I trained this guy one time how to drive a, a tractor trailer <laughs> and we were out in California and, uh, we got laid over out there. Didn't have any. Didn't have anything we could do. So we had to lay over there the whole weekend. And we was we was actually in LA of all places. <laughs> and we seen these guys out there playing basketball. And I just looked at him. I said, "You from Arkansas? You know? Can you ball?" He's like, "Yeah, I can ball." He's like, "Well, I got basketball. Let's go." And we went out there and played with those guys, and we had a ball, and we we really did put it on. And they was like, "They was like, where y'all from? Like Kentucky." <laughs> so it, it was a blast. It was an absolute blast, and I don't know what happened to you, but are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I think we had some disconnect problems, but we're back. I was just telling a story about my Arkansas buddy that I haven't seen for years. We went up to California, and we got laid over out there, and we played some basketball actually in L.A. with some guys, and we put it on them. They couldn't believe it. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I heard, and that, that was hilarious. And you know, it's uh, it's always fun beating the Razorback, no matter where it is, even if it's on a sandlot. Famous <laughs> that night, yeah. but it was we yeah. had a good time. That's what I'm saying. Some of those Arkansas guys, they're just as passionate about basketball as we are. We got a lot of respect for them, and they don't generally they don't act like clowns like some of the other fan bases. They're they just want it to go back like it was in the nineties, and I can't blame them, man. When they had Scotty Thurman and Carlos Williamson and all them guys, they had some hellacious teams. And some great teams, and and uh, and they're just passionate about their team, just like we are. So that's what makes rivalries fun, and you know, and we need to get back to that. And I think we still have a good one with Tennessee, and. You know, I haven't even really looked ahead on the schedule this week, but I know Kentucky, it doesn't let off because this month we're on the road a bunch. We got Georgia Tuesday. I think it's at Rupp because we beat them down there. And then I'm not sure. I'm thinking it's Vanderbilt maybe. I'm not sure. I'd have to look. But but we got Georgia Tuesday, I know. 
with this week the way it was, I mean, this this was a tough week, and I was definitely concerned. And I'm gonna tell you, yesterday I was I was definitely worried that Kentucky was gonna lose that game at at the point when we got down, and when Calipari went out, I thought, well, I'm not gonna think that now because I, I really had a feeling that the team was going to rally behind that, and they did. That's exactly my thoughts. Once we lost in South Carolina, that's how much confidence I had in my coach. I knew that he would not let them lose at Arkansas. And, and maybe he had to pull out all the stops to make it happen, but he made it happen. And uh, like I say, I don't, want to, I don't want this to be the Calipari Love Fest show, but it, it's, it's just how we feel. I love Calipari. And I love our whole staff, to be honest with you. I thought someone who doesn't get enough credit who actually runs the zone is Tony Barbie. And we have a call coming in, so let me come to Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass. Benny and Lee, you're on. How's it up? How's it going? It's going well. Good evening, Benny. Good evening, Lee. How are you doing? Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm uh, still uh, still enjoying uh, still enjoying last night's win, especially especially late. That was a win for us. Sorry, say that again. I think we're both saying that we we're still enjoying it too. I tell you what, I was up all night, most of the night, and uh, and what a win! I mean, that 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 win there is going to carry me until Tuesday. And me as well, that's for sure. Especially after, um, especially after what happened just a few, especially after what happened just a few days before. And honestly, I don't know I don't know at what point in the game it was that I got sick of ESPN consistently <laughs> reminding us that we lost to South Carolina earlier in the week to which which prompted me to say hey did we lose to South Carolina earlier in the week I don't think I don't think I've heard ESPN mention it the first 5000 times <laughs> All right, let me ask you both a question when 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 Cal got right. kicked out what was your immediate thoughts immediate thought yeah. I don't even know how you have that feeling, like like something. It's either bad or good. I immediately thought good. I was just wondering what you guys thought. Yeah, I did too. I thought he. I thought I could tell it was on purpose, and I thought Cal was trying to do something to motivate the team. As for me, I'll admit that I didn't think it was intentionally at first. My first, my very first thought was, "Oh wow, is this?" Is this how this game is going? Is this how this game is going to end? And like seeing and seeing the crowd, um, seeing the crowd absolutely erupt. Uh, seeing the crowd absolutely erupt. I'm thinking, are they celebrating like they just won the game? And that was, and I think it was that celebration that I thought, okay, you know what? I think that I think that motivated our players to. I think that motivated our players to turn this around and go on that 15 to two run, which was obviously paramount to the victory itself. But I and and but like but looking at the replays, I noticed. But looking at the replays, I noticed that no one, none of the assistant coaches were trying to hold him back, which tells me that maybe there was that hint, that maybe it was a bit of a hint that 
you know, he was trying to get himself thrown out to stand up for his players and to get them to rally around him and the te- and each other. But who knows what he was thinking at the time. Yeah, and there and there is a need telling in and do you think that he possibly did that just so Kenny Payne would go to his own and, and Cal could th- say, I still have never put his own in at Kentucky. And I don't know if I have got to say what I was trying to say because sometimes I get sidetracked. But what I was trying to say earlier is that the guy who gets credit for that zone is Tony Barbie because he's the one that coaches that zone, by the way, just so everybody knows. <laughs> I, think that, I think I got off on a rant again. Nick, you still there? Oh yeah, I'm still here. I was sorry. I was just trying to think about what I was uh, what I was going to say about that. No, you know what? I would. I'm willing to think that he got himself thrown out on purpose, but I don't. But I'm not willing to go that far. I don't think. I don't think he said, "Hey, I'm going to get thrown out." Can, hey, I'm going to get thrown out just so that I can still say I've never gone to zone. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Cal went that would have gone that far. Yeah, possibly not. Possibly not. And, and there's just a lot of joking and kidding about it. And it's all in good fun now, especially after we won the game. And but let's just get down to the game for a minute there. And you know, and we still really haven't talked about the South Carolina game. But what do you think won the game for Kentucky yesterday against Arkansas? Part of me wants to say that. Knowing that knowing what happened down in South Carolina just a few days prior, and seeing more or less the same second and seeing more or less the same second half go down at Arkansas just at Arkansas this weekend, I think part of it I want to say part of it was the players going, oh no, this is happening again. Let's not let let's not take another loss in the exact same manner, and that's and that's what propelled them. Maybe it was maybe it was Arkansas's fans cheering over the ejection. Uh, that maybe it was Arkansas fans cheering over the ejection that motivated them. Maybe it was, maybe it was, um, I want to, maybe it was, um, what was I going to say? A lot of people saying, a lot of people saying that they thought that Hagen's was having a rough game, but then you see the final stats and you, but then you see the final stats and you go, you know, if he's having a rough game and he still puts up those numbers, I think that might be a bit of a confidence boost for him and, and for him and for the team. Yeah, I but, think the biggest thing I think, was – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your point. I'm just meaning to oh, cut I was you off. But I think – no, but I think, I, think my, I think my biggest reason is the team seeing what happened in South Carolina and not wanting a repeat of that because they know that losing twice, losing twice in a row when you're up by that much is definitely not going to be ideal come seeding time. There's a game every year. I don't know. When, I, let's put it this way. There's a game every year. When we're when we're good, where you see the team come together and grow up at once, and not, I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about where you see guys just come together and they're playing for each other. And I do believe that that game, well, they did. They definitely did it in that game, and I hope it carries forward. Like you know, the game before Ashton took some dumb shots. I said that on Twitter. And I'll stand by it. I thought he took some dumb shots down the stretch. I love Ashton. Everybody knows how much I love Ashton. But he didn't make winning plays down the stretch, which is uncharacteristic for him. 
He's he's the leader on this team, and they're going to follow him. I thought he'd done an excellent job. I mean, in the in the Arkansas game, as far as leading the team. And see, I think people are still missing the point that I was trying to make in that the the to me the Arkansas and South Carolina games the only difference there is the rebounding. I think that you know we go to a hostile South Carolina environment and we even to even bring it back and tie the game in just you know, mere seconds left in the game, what quickly did in that shot and what Kentucky did as a team, and that's without Hagen's on the floor because he had fouled out, it is nothing short of amazing. And I know everybody's saying, well, that's a bad loss. That's a bad loss. And, yeah, maybe things should have been different. And if we had rebounded better, we wouldn't have been in that position. But I still – I'm going to take pauses from that and just the fight that they showed at the end – to even possibly force an overtime. And I really believe they would have won the game if we'd have gone overtime. I think we can overcome Higgins, but you all know how I feel about Ashton Higgins. And I think that you have to have Higgins quickly and Richards on that floor as much as possible for this team to be successful. And we've got a lot of great pieces to go with them. But, you know, I – Winning on the road in the SEC is not easy, and I don't care who it is. It could be Vanderbilt, and that gym's that gym's tough. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot to be said about every team has Kentucky marked on their calendar and that they are their Super Bowl as corny and as many times as we've heard it. But it's the truth, and you can tell by all the events and everything that's planned for when Kentucky comes to town. It's tough, folks. I mean, it really is tough. And Kentucky could have easily won it at that South Carolina game and could easily be undefeated still in the SEC. That's the thing that bothers me, I guess, more than anything, is that we should have won the game. But I still admire the fight, even if not playing a great game. They played a good game. I think they played – they made a great finish, and they made effort. And that's what I like seeing. Did I lose everybody? Uh, no, I was just—I just thought you were going to say something. That's all. I'm still here. I don't know if we, maybe we've lost Benny, but Nick, can you tell us? Do you know anything about Dan Issel? Um, I, uh, not very much, unfortunately. I know that, I know that I, he, I know that I follow him on Twitter and that he is one of the, and that he is one of the, and that he was one of the, uh, Kentucky greats of back then, but that's about as much as I know, unfortunately. Well, that, that's okay. I mean, I'm just asking and, and just do some research. I mean, you're looking at Kentucky's all-time leading score. You know, he, what the numbers. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. They, in three years, and nothing short of amazing what he did and what he's doing for bringing the NBA back to Kentucky. And uh, but no, that that's that's a good guy to look up and 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 research and and learn about because and if you can watch some YouTube on him and, and see some games where he played, it's just amazing that that guy was he was tough and 
And he, to me, he epitomizes what it is to be a Kentucky Wildcat. Benny, do we have you back? Hey, Benny's still going. So just me and you, Nick. And, you know, the the bad thing is, awesome. Nick, I've got to do a, a hog call here in a minute. And uh, so I've never actually had, heard it, to be honest. So it'll be and, new to me. Uh, I had to research it. And so I did some research on YouTube, and and this this was what I ended up with. And so I, I learned it from uh, some backyard folks, and this is how it kind of yeah. sounds. 